Hello, how are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where we have discussions on social innovation and becoming the CEO of you. Each week, I zoom in a practitioner, business person, or content creator, and we just chop it up, have discussions about strategies and ideas about how you can live your best life. I'm your host, Dr. Will, and today I am here with Emerald Sparks. How are you doing, Emerald? I'm fine. Excellent. Your name sounds like a superhero. Aw, one day you'll see it in lights. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. So people, as you know, season four of the Dr. Will Show is the season of the edupreneur. I am trying to get educators leveled up to take control of their career as well as their finances. And today I am here with Emerald Sparks and we will be talking about how to get your financial house in order. So for those who will be watching this on YouTube or will be listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, will you please introduce yourself, Emerald? So my name is Emerald Sparks. I'm currently in Ohio. I am a financial strategist. And so I felt that that title was better than like a financial advisor or consultant. Um, basically, I create financial strategies for you to live your best financial life. I'm a speaker. I'm an author. I have a book entitled Vision Future Reality, How to Budget Like a Boss. And what I do is I help solve people's misconceptions about money, uh, specifically as it relates to credit, budgeting, just the whole financial gamut. I teach people about investing. I teach people about um, estate planning life insurance, just every kind of topic of financial services or financial literacy that you can think of, I teach people and help them maintain their financial life. Awesome. Awesome. And I love that estate planning because a lot of black folk, we don't get into estate planning on that. Don't know nothing about it. (laughs) So I like that. I like that. So I always like to ask people this uh, because as a child, you know, you grow up and folks say, what do you want to be? Hey, I want to be, be Batman or I want to be a fireman, a superhero or a teacher or whatever. Uh, what drew you to personal finance? So it really came out of a, I have always been in financial services. Like I've always been about money and I always have been about numbers. So those things come very easy to me. Um, so the personal finance is when I realized when I got older and I realized that the majority of my friends were not able to do some of the things that I was able to do, um, with my money. And so that basically related to like going on trips and stuff. So I was like, I wanted to go to all these places, but I didn't have anybody to go with. And I'm like, y'all go to work every day. Like, what are y'all doing with y'all money? And so I literally would help them create strategies for their own life to set them up so that not only could they travel with me, but because they could do some other things that they had been wanting to do. So the personal finance part came out of just the need to want to go on trips with my friends. So me starting to help them there. So what are the financial rules or, 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 or game of financial management that you actually live by? So far as financial management, as far as a strategy, um, there's things, of course, I, I don't spend more than I make. Um, I do not put more on a credit card than I can pay in a month. So those things, I have like rules of thumbs. Even when I'm buying something, I make sure that I can buy it three times. So I will never buy something and I can't buy it three times. Um, so things like that. But as far as management of how my finances are structured, I use four bank accounts. Um, I use two checking accounts and two savings accounts. So if you want me to elaborate on those? Yeah, I, I, you know, I've never heard people balling like that. Talk to me. <laughs> so I use one check. So everything comes into one checking account. The second checking account is for bills. So once everything hits that main checking account, all bills for that month are being transferred to the checking bill account. And then from a savings perspective, I do, um, I take a percentage from the income account and move it to my savings for emergencies. After um, I've reached 
six to nine months of my fixed expenses in that account, I stopped contributing to that account. And then next, there is a savings fund that is for personal desires, like wants and things like that, trips and things like that. So those are how they're structured. So although I stopped necessarily saving in a emergency standpoint, I'm still now using that money to fund investment accounts that I have. So I never stop saving in a sense. I just move it to something that's going to earn me more interest. So that is how I manage my funds. Mm. So on your website, oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, she's drowning in the money, yo. Just swimming in it. Woo. <laughs> oh, Ooh. I love that. I love that. Uh, on your website, it says that you solve misconceptions about money. Yes. What would you say are the most common misconceptions people have about money? The biggest and the most just biggest misconception out there is people think that they need a whole lot of money to either save or to budget or to basically do anything financially. And one of my favorite quotes is, if you can't manage the little money that you have, you can't manage, you know, the larger money. And it's true. So money is a tool. It's a, it's a tool to get you or to place you in a different situation or get to things that you want. Um, and really it's a habit as far as money management. So if you have a hundred dollars and you can't manage that, you're certainly not going to be able to manage a hundred thousand dollars. And that's real. Um, if, so you have to start like where you are and manage that appropriately before you can say, oh, I can, I can have a million dollars because that million dollars is going to, you know, go as quickly as a hundred dollars would. So that is the biggest misconception. Um, they have that same misconception about investing. They think if they don't have like $10,000 to invest, they can't invest. And it's just not true. Like when I started investing, I started with $50. That's nothing, you know? So people think that they need a lot of money. And I kind of wrote these down so I didn't forget. Um, and that they think that they need more money. So there, so there's a difference. So like people think they need largest amounts of money and then they think they need more money. And I say, you really don't necessarily probably have an income problem in your life. You more likely have a priority problem like what you're spending your money on is inappropriate. It's probably not that you need to make more money, but you can. We all want to make more money. Even millionaires want to make more money. You always can make more money, but more than likely you have a spending issue or, you know, a discipline issue. It's really probably not an income level issue. Hmm. Cause he, uh, okay. Okay. I, look, I, I find it interesting because, you know, since a brother got a house now, Right. Okay. If I if the grass got to get cut, whether it's me or I got to pay somebody to do it. Right. Water got to get paid. It does. That's me. No longer paid by the apartment complex. Trash is paid by me. No longer paid by the apartment complex. Right. And when there is a repair, or you say, "Man, you know, I want to paint." That's all on me. That sounds like more money than a spending situation right so let me tackle that so okay. there are a lot and this is not true i'm just saying where this where the issue lies okay talk to me so people are in a situation where sometimes their living expenses are too much so there are even rules of thumbs to living expenses i had a client that i was working with and i said you know before you do anything half of her money was being spent on her rent and her car note that was before she bought groceries that was before she paid a light bill water bill anything so already she was living although she could afford it like she was making the payments she was living above her means because your living expenses should only be 50 percent of your income so all that stuff does have to get paid and you are right but sometimes people's living expenses are too high. Mm. Not saying that that's your situation. No, that's not my situation. We're not at 50%. We, we, we don't pay 
note on vehicles. Okay. And the mortgage is well below. Okay. So you, people have to consider that as well. Um, you have to consider what 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 your necessities like. What are you spending on your necessities? Okay, okay. We're gonna get into that a little deep, deeper down the line. It's just you know, I'm a firm believer in the side hustle. Yeah. Right? And multiple streams. I think everybody needs multiple streams of income. Okay. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be a business owner because that's yeah. not for everybody. And business entrepreneurship is hard. Um, I can tell you that firsthand, but I believe everyone needs multiple streams of income because now relying on one income is very detrimental. Like things happen, life happens. Like you need, if it's not driving Uber, if it's not delivering food from Uber Eats, if you break hair, whatever talent that you do, you need to be, you know, assigning, monetizing that because you know, you want to set yourself up in case something happens. Like if that bucket closes, you need another bucket to go to. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so here's the thing that I want to ask you about because, you know, now I'm in my 40s and my money isn't bad. Uh, of course, I want my money to, to, to get bigger and I'm working on moves right now for the next level of my career. But in my field, People my age generally have more education and make more money versus that teacher in their 20s who more often has a bachelor's degree and working off base pay. And then people in their 30s may have a master's or specialist and their pay goes up some and then so forth and so on. What are some of the financial goals people should be having in their 20s, 30s or 40s? Okay. So that is another great point. So I do not believe in by certain ages, you should have certain stuff because I believe that puts a lot of pressure on people. And then when you do not have those things, you feel like you are less than. So, and I give you an example, but I will tell you things that you can do in you know all stages of life. So people, I meet a lot of women specifically that come to me and they say, I want to own a house in the next three months. I want to have this and this and amount and I want a man and I want a family and I want to get married. I'm like, hold on now, but wait, wait, wait. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let me talk about that. And I'm like, realistically, owning a house is not expensive. Buying a house is not expensive. Owning a house is expensive. So roof, roofs are expensive. Water tanks, all that... <laughs> All that stuff to do to maintain that house is expensive. It is expensive. Your mortgage is going to be the least of your concerns when it comes to owning a house. Yes. You just hope that the hot water tank don't go out. <laughs> so um, I don't believe in different stages. I believe that if you are in a stage, this is what you should be doing. So if you are married with children, you should be one investing for your guys' retirement. And if you want to invest for your child's college education, I don't necessarily believe with how we are in the world today. I do not necessarily believe in 529 plans. And for people who don't, who don't know what those are, those are college savings accounts that you set up for children that you, it's an investment account and you are investing. And then when your child reached college age, they can withdraw that money to pay for school expenses. I do not invest, I mean, I do not believe in those things because so many kids are not going to college. And so what happens if, if they don't go or use that money to go to college, you have to pay taxes on all that money. So that may put you in a different tax bracket and all that good stuff. So I believe in investment accounts for children because then that money can, you're, you're paying taxes on it anyway, but they can use that money for what that, whatever. So that is my thing. You should be saving for whatever stage your child will do, and you should be investing for your retirement. And if you want to own a home, not because everybody is telling you to own a home, own a home. I have no qualms about versus renting or owning because people have just different life stages. People who necessarily travel a lot, they may not want the expense of owning a home. It may just be very well fine for them to have an apartment. You just have to live your life that was based on your circumstances. I'm not saying by 30, you should be owning a house. No. Uh, when you are in your 20s, you definitely want to invest because you don't want to miss out on no compounding interest. 
more than likely you're not doing anything with your money anyway, but going on trips and going out to eat and spending it on drinks with your friends. So you might as well invest some money. I think at all stages you should be investing. You can, of course, be a little um, more aggressive when you're younger. And then when you are hitting those 40s and 50 ranges, you want to be a little bit more conservative. Um, so I think you should be investing throughout all life stages. Um, as far as 20, you want to make sure, too, that you are getting into the habits of having good money habits because mm -hmm. 20, I don't know, you may be still staying at home. You may not have a lot of expenses, but you want to train yourself to have those expenses. And then 30, you know, you're grown, you ain't no more YOLO. You know, you're probably a little bit more realistic in your, you know, endeavors in life. You may or may not have a man or a woman or man or man, whatever, whatever you like, <laughs> spouse, whatever. Um, and you guys need to have that conversation. So when you get in a relationship, you need to be asking them what's their credit score. And it's not to be nosy or invasive. It's just that these things affect you. Like when I met my husband, he was not in the best credit situation. And I said, boo, before we get together, we need to get your credit together. Because that it wasn't a deal breaker. I knew I could help him along the way. But those are conversations that I feel that people don't have or how much student loan debt you have. Like you need to be having these conversations with whoever you are thinking about being serious with because it affects you. If they have a lot of debt and y'all trying to plan this life, a lot of their money or y'all money is gonna to go to debt. So y'all might have to delay some trips or something. Like you have to have those conversations. So that is my advice. I don't necessarily believe in by life stage, you should have certain things, but I believe if you are in a life stage, there are certain things that you should be doing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I'm just sitting here like, you know, I just got this paper. I don't have the fan with my little King face on it. You know, like when you, when you start talking about like, before you get booed up now, you ask about that credit score and they did. Like, you know, I've had other people on my show to talk about finances, but no one has ever went there like you did to say, okay, let's put this money on the table. We got to. Uh, you know, because it reminds me of um, that that documentary series of Black Love. And Viola Davis was saying how when she met her husband, she was like, oh, I got a bad credit score. I, I, I can't tell this man this. I can't tell this man this. And he was like, girl, I knew you had bad credit. Uh, <laughs> but just the whole you know, thought process of, you know, let's put this money on the line like that. That's, that's interesting. Now in my field, and I've had conversations like this with other educators, because I'm all about educators monetizing the skills they have and actually, you know, leveling up and making more money if that's what you want to do. Right. But it seems, and I haven't spoken to everyone, of course, but there's this thing where, very hush hush about money like we don't want to talk about it it don't exist i'm in this to teach the cheering i'm not in this to make money i love my cheering i'm not here about the money that's that's for them greedy folk over there we 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 save the cheering they don't they, the, the conversation about money is to me is is negative and not very positive what goes i, I guess into the mindset of people with money and how do you change the relationship that with people who with money? Okay. So I have a few different viewpoints on that. So a lot of people who I've met a lot of people, I've worked with a lot of people who feel guilty for making, for making large sums of money because it goes back to religion and how they was grow, how they grew up. So a lot of people feel that if you make a lot of money, that you are ungodly, you just not loving the Lord. And it's just basically like a sin. It's, it has a negative connotation to it. Um, that's religion. That's usually Christian Baptist religion. Um, and then on the other spectrum, they feel that people with money are evil. They scam people out of their money. They were dishonest. So they already have a negative connotation with a lot of money. They feel like if they're not helping or doing something for free, God is not going to bless them. I mean, all types of crazy stuff, right? So that comes from childhood. And so I have this assessment where 
basically I ask, you know, I ask people a list of questions and on one of the kind of categories is, you know, how was money handled as a child with you? Was it something that was, you know, flowing in? Was it something y'all spent very quickly? Like it was burning a hole in y'all pocket. Like how did your parents, like when you asked them for money, did they say who you think I am at ATM? Like, all those things affect how we think about money. And then we grow up with these things ingrained in us. And then when we become adults, we start doing those things. Or, you know, it just depends. Like either if money was limited, we get some money, we spend it all. Like it could just go different ways. And so what happens with the conversation of money, because money or finances is something that you can hide. It's one of the things about us that we can hide. Like don't nobody know necessarily how much money you have unless they they you know you tell them you can look nice got on red bottoms gucci bags chanel bags people think you got money but your bank account could be sitting on negative it's just one of the things that we can hide um and so what happens is we get in these situations and we just be messed up but how we change that conversation is one identify how we feel about money what emotions do we attach for money and then remember that it's a tool. I said that at the beginning. You can't have an emotion about a hammer, right? It's a hammer. It's to do what it does. But people have an emotion with money because they like it's a person. And it's not. It's a piece of paper. And once people, one, condition themselves to think that, they won't feel any certain type of way about money, whether they have it or don't have it. But it's what society puts on us. You don't have money, you this. If you have money, you this. And that's how people operate with money. So we have to change our mindset about money, how we view money, and then how we handle money. Because that, that's how it all goes. Once you change your mind about something, it changes how you deal with something. Mm. So talking about it, I and I, I, that is one of my passions. That's one of my goals is for people to talk about money like they talk about their deadbeat baby daddies. Like they talk about their baby mamas, like they talk about their relationships. I want money to be a conversation like like that. And I'm I've started that conversation with my group of friends. And I'm not ashamed to say, uh-uh, I ain't got it this week, boo. We we're gonna have to do that next week. Or, you know, I'm not ashamed, and a lot of people are ashamed to say no when it comes to money. And it's like, why would I put myself in a situation to not impress my friends, but to hang out with my friends when I can't ask my friends to pay my light bill? Because the first thing your friend going to say when you, oh, you, you don't to spend your money. Like, what was you wasting your money on? Oh, no, I was kicking it with you. Oh, well, you should have rethought that. So you see what I'm saying? So yeah. you have to think about things like that. Your friend not going to pay your light bill. I don't care how besties, how long, 20, 25 year friendships. Your friend is not going to pay your light bill if you mismanage your money. She shouldn't. You're an adult. So talking about it, saying, no, I ain't got it this week, and being okay with that because that does not make you a bad person. That makes you a wise person. That's it. Mm, I like that. I like that. I like that. So let's get into savings and how important it is for people to create a monthly budget. So mm -hmm. how should people start saving, right? And, and what should someone's budget look like? Should, should everyone have a standard budget of, okay, I'm gonna put this much on food, this much on lodging, this much on this, or should it be more so of these are my goals for the month and this is where my money goes? I mean, how, how should that all look like? So a combination of the two. And so that's really why I named my book Budget Like a Boss, because it literally takes you step by step on how to create a budget and the things that you should do. So I've read a lot of books that were like going around the topic. And I was like, no, I want to tell the people exactly what to do. This is what you do. This is how you set it up. And I even included a template in there to get you guys started. So it's a combination of what you said, allocating money to where it should go and then having goals financial goals attached with that. So, and I'll give you an example. So as far as a breakdown, like I said, 50% of your living expenses should be dedicated to, you know, your income. So that means it's a benchmark. Like it's a goal. Like if you are at 70, see what you can cut down. And a lot of our lives, we can cut down stuff. We just don't want to cut down stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had a challenge over January it was called the GGP challenge. And it was, you can only use your extra money outside of bills to pay for gas, groceries, and personal development. 
And so what that did was I had a young lady in there and she was like, uh-uh, I got to get my hair and nails done. I said, okay, boo, you do, you do you. It was just for a month, but okay, whatever. And um, so people have convinced themselves that they need certain stuff um, in their life to be who they are. And, you know, women in our hair, that's a big thing. Bundles are expensive. So I said, everybody get y'all bundles in December and we're going to rock this out in January. It's just all about keeping, what are you doing to keep your money? And one of the exercises that I take my clients through with is saying, if you only get paid twice a month, why are you spending money 30 times a month? And that's just if you spend money once a day. People have six, five, six, seven transactions a day. So I'm just giving you the basis. Think about what's coming in and what's going out. So that that's really the, the issue is the frequency. So if you get paid only two days, you shouldn't be spending money for 30 days. And budgeting is really just allocating money, like you said. I'm not spending no more for this than this amount. I'm not doing no more for this than this amount. And then having goals saying, okay, if I want to own a house in three months or a year or whatever, whatever that time frame is, figuring out how much your down payment is, figuring out where you want to live. That's a lot of people's issues too. They want to own something, but don't know how much it costs. Mm. Um, they have no idea what neighborhood they want to live in. Like I'm working, this is just one of my short term goals. I'm working to the point where me and my family can have a chef and a housekeeper. I need to know how much those things cost. <laughs> I need to know how much those things cost. So I know how many clients I need to work with, how many speaking engagements I need to have. I can't say I want something and don't know how much it costs because I don't know what I'm working for. I don't have a target. So you need to know what type of house you want, what type of neighborhood you want to live in. Having goals, those are the goals. You need a vision, vision, future reality. You need a vision for your finances. Just like you have a vision for your wedding or that man or that woman that you want, you need to have a vision for your money because if you don't, money will just go everywhere. You just won't know. And you, that, so that, that's, that's my advice there. Saving is important, not just because we're an adults and we have to save, but you don't want to look up at 65 when it's time for you to retire and you can't man your life, maintain the lifestyle that you are living currently. Um, because that's the goal. Like when you retire, you want to at least maintain the lifestyle that you have currently. If you have to downsize from that and you already are not living the life that you want to live and then you have to downsize from that, you're going to be pissed about it. Um, so savings is important and it's just where you are saving your money. So like I said, I don't put any more than six to nine months in my savings account at my bank. And my savings account at my bank is not even at my primary bank for my checking. It's at a whole nother bank. So I don't even touch it and look at it. And then the, the, the other part of that, I'm investing my money. Um, that's the quickest way. That's the easiest passive income to have. That is the quickest way to get to a million dollars. If you don't want, you know, if you don't want to be a business owner and you are not going to save your way to a million dollars in your checking account. And you are not just going to let me and God just not going to bless you with a million dollars. You got to do something. You got to do, do something to get something. So, you know, he's not just going to say, oh, you got faith. And if you ain't out here working, he's not going to bring it to you. So you got to put in the effort and you got to get serious about your money because nothing that we do as an adult is free. This couch that I'm sitting on. I can't sit in this house for free. So you have to get serious with your money or your money is going to make you, um, okay, well, I can't cuss. It's, it's going to play with you. If you don't get serious about your money and tell it where to go, it's going to tell you what to do. I hear you. I hear you. Know, now, we didn't have a plan for the house. I'm going to look, th this, was, this was divine decree. Now, we're, we're, seriously, you know, because I, I, my pops was saying, you need to go buy a house. I was like, man, I don't want to buy a house, man. I don't want food no yard work. I want food no repairs. I want food none of that stuff. And, you know, my wife loves going to realtor.com. And vision. Yep, she loves going there, right? So she found a townhouse, and she showed it to me. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, $76,000. So that's cheap. So she called the, the, you know, she sent the realtor an email and the guy was like, you can come see it tomorrow. And so when we checked it out, 
I was like, hmm. Now, six months prior, just on a whim, we went to a bank and did the paperwork and got approved for a loan, but we didn't move anywhere. We, we didn't do anything with it. So after seeing 76000 right, I, I called up the, 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 the loan lady. I said, hey, what's this going to be? And I said, ooh, that's a whole lot cheaper than the eight fifty I'm paying right now. And I said, can we go buy a house? She said, well, it's been six months. <laughs> Your stuff is expired. We got to run a new loan. I said, okay, go ahead and do that. So then she got back to me and she said, you got a lower interest rate than beforehand and you got you to gotta pay three and a half down. Okay. I said, what? So, the, so we actually had, it was a 3.6. Two oh, interest that's down. good. Oh yeah, and That's three and a half percent down. And I said, I, I said, look, 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 look. This is what I want to pay. What this gonna cost me? She said six something. I said, is that what everything? <laughs> she said yes. I said, wife, we going house hunting. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were just blessed to come do the lot. Two months after that, we actually bought a house. Well, it was some planning. Now, your, your wife did the planning, not necessarily you, but there was some planning on that part. I'm sure your credit, for you to get 3.6, your credit score was where it needed to be. Your wife had a vision. Y'all had some type of um, budget of how, you, how much you wanted to spend on a house. Um, so there was some planning in that. You just, you, you didn't do the planning per se, but it was some planning in that. That, that was your plan. I, I knew what I wanted to spend. My wife... Right. My wife kept taking us to houses, and I'm looking at her going, I said, look, girl. Right. So that was the, what you wanted to spend. And that's another, you made a very another good point. When you have good credit, credit is leverage. You can walk, you said, this is what I want to pay. And this is what, th that's what happens. when you. That's what happened to me when I walked on a car dealership. I said, if you can give me this car for $250, because I had, I think at the time I may have had a 740 I said, if you can give me this car right now, I said, I'll buy it today. And I got that car and I drove that car off the lot. So when you have good credit, you have leverage because that is your, it's like a golden ticket. You like Willy Walker in the Chocolate Factory. That is your golden ticket to get anything what you want. Mm. Mm. Just, I don't use all my credit. Let me say that disclaimer. I don't use all the available credit that I have. Yes. But I know that when I walk into somewhere, no matter how much money I make, no matter what your income is, your skin color, you got good credit. They're going to talk to you a little different. I'm going to talk to you a little different. I hear now since you went there, now I got to throw this out there to you because a lot of people, particularly those who their homes, parents didn't talk about money. And they didn't talk about financial management. They didn't talk about credit. They didn't talk about any of those things to prepare their children get to college where everybody named mama throwing them a credit card. Bam, bam, bam. And college is the, at the time as Willie generally is the brokest time you are as an adult. Right. And so you shopping, oh, you going out. They buying pieces. <laughs> yeah. All kind of stuff, you know, and you can literally, leave college with a for some credit if, or, or if you're not prepared right uh if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing so if you will speak to the importance of credit not only in building your future but in future job opportunities and what actually goes into one's fico score okay so credit as far as how it affects you as an adult so one Literally everything that you do, they're going to run your credit score. Your, so your phone bill, your, um, not necessarily your utility bills, but some, some stuff that we get like, you know, Verizon, AT&T, um, DirecTV, cable companies, um, life insurance, car insurance, home insurance, all those people run your credit and give you a rate based on that. So people who have bad credit scores are they are deemed irresponsible. They're deemed risky. 
um, all these just negative things. So as an adult, you want good credit just because you want the best rate that you can get on whatever you're trying to get. I know jobs will look at your credit score and say, well, if they got bad credit, they don't pay their bills on time. Are they going to come to work on time? Are they going to steal from us? So credit, all of that is looked at when you are an adult. Um, and then what was your other question? I want to make sure I get that right. Well, what goes into oh, your FICO, score. FICO score? Yeah. So your FICO score is really just a combination of your experience, TransUnion, and Equifax. So those are the three different credit bureaus. If you guys didn't know that. Um, and that FICA is supposed to be some combination of those three. Um, not necessarily a direct average of those three, but a combination of those three. So your FICA score may be, um, sometimes may be higher than your individual credit scores um, that you'll see. You will never see the same number across the board because each company is different. Each company has its own algorithms of how they calculate stuff. Um, if you have ever looked at your credit report, you will see that, you know, something may be on your TransUnion and not your Equifax. Um, that's just how they have gathered information. That's who the lender decided to report to. All that is a variance of that. But your FICA is something that is a combination of all three. I hear I hear you, I hear you. And this is a hey, people, you gotta, you know, Jay-Z said, What's better? Credit. Uh, you know, you got to keep it moving, which I understand in your 20s, it might not be something that you are aware of or even thinking about. But for sure, you hit them 30s or even myself in, in, in my 40s, that becomes reality because at that time when you say, I want to buy a house or you get to a situation where you excited, you calling your mama, you're like, Mama, I just got that job. They're gonna pay me one twenty-five thousand. But then you you say, uh oh, I'm about to get this Lexus now. And you get there, and instead of that Lexus maybe costing you six fifty a month, because of your income, they may say, We're gonna give it to you, but you may be paying seven fifty a month for oh, that. Or Lexus. eight, nine hundred dollars, depending on the Lexus. So what? I said, depending on the Lexus, maybe eight, nine hundred. Oh Lord, Lord. I that's the morning I pay for my mortgage. Now, I can't be driving nothing more than what I'm living in. Now, I can't do that. Oh, now, I know several clients have came to me and their car note is way more than their mortgage. That, look, get you in the court then. Let's just bring it down. Let's bring, <laughs> let's bring it down. But, I'm, but, you know, you can, because of your income, there are certain things you'll still be able to get, but your interest rate will be higher. Yes. And you'll be paying more than you should be paying. Ooh, I know somebody, one of my clients, um, their, their uh, interest rate on their car was 25%. Oh. I said, you should have left that car right there on that lot. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, it, it, it's bad if you're paying 12. But, but 25, you need to get a bus pass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I have seen clients mm. just do some crazy stuff with their money, and it's all because they just don't know. And I and I don't judge them. Mm. I just you know help them along the way. But it's 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 I've seen some crazy stuff. I hear you, I mean, but they're they're good to have you to provide them with that guidance and that financial education because it's again it's important because you know the the biggest problem I see with us as black people is, you know, after integration, a lot of us as individuals moved up like George and Wheezy. Mm -hmm. But as a community, we have not built wealth mm -mm. Uh, because right. we don't understand money on that level and, and how building that generational wealth, right. you know, changes the game for everybody. Mm -hmm. And one of the easy, quickest way to do that and I tell black people this all the time, is life insurance. Mm. It's tax-free. Yes. It don't, it, you don't have to, um, there's no limit that you can have. So, to a certain extent, there's no limit that you can have. And um, it's, the quickest, it's the quickest way for your next generation to be rich. And we, 
one, a lot of what we do is selfish. We'd be like, uh-uh, if I die and I had to work for everything I had, they're going to have to work for everything they had. I'm like, why? Why? People don't do that. Like these schools that have been around for you are surviving. Somebody bought life insurance policies and now they can give out scholarships. They can have big endowments. They can do whatever they need to do. That's life insurance. Um, wealthy people that you know, they may, they, they may have enough to be self-insured, but if you got a $3 million policy that's tax-free, I would love to have $3 million tax-free. Life insurance is the fastest way, quickest way to do that. And people don't, they don't invest in it. They don't believe in it. And I'm like, when my kids die, they will at least all get $1 million a piece. Y'all can do, they will have the money management because of who I am. Y'all can go start a business. Y'all can be the next Bill Gates. Y'all can be the next Steve Jobs. All of that they have access to because they have money. And money just puts you in a different situation. It, put, it gives you different opportunities. It, it just does so much for you. And, I, and I'm not saying that from a point to just be money hungry or be all about money and just be evil about it. But think about the opportunities you would have had if your parents had more money. If my mom would have sat down and talked to me about money and started investing for me when I was born and then when I got 18 and then decided, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, I'd be on TV already, okay? You would have been new my name. <laughs> I hear you. One million dollars. Woo. So now look, if you want to adopt the four to four year old, I'm I'm free. Just wanna let you know. Free, you good with that. I'm free, but I you know, I want that million dollar policy too. Uh I want to talk to you now about the side hustle mm-hmm. because I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what my, how tarnished my reputation may be in my field because I keep driving a hammer now on my friends. Uh, hopefully they're still friends with me about the side hustle and monetizing themselves and not giving away all of their pretty for free. You know, stop writing books for these education publishers because they're not getting upfront money. They're getting paid on the, yeah, I saw a look on your face. Yeah, they're getting paid 15% on the back end, right? Writing a book so, is hard. <laughs> so I'm saying, listen, you need to self-publish. Right. Put your book out. Get get paid. You know, if you charge $10, Amazon may take $3 of that, but that's $7 you get to keep. And if you sell 1,000 books, that's $7 times 1,000. So you, and you can turn that over to do other stuff. So... Uh, if you will, you know, please speak to how important it is for people to actually have multiple streams of income. It's so important. Like the people that you see on TV, the people that you follow on Instagram, they have at least five streams of income. So with my business, I have set up, I think I got five streams of income now. So not only do I do one-on-one coaching with people, but I have speaking engagements that I get paid for. I wrote a book. I have retail merchandise for my company. Um, I have courses. So that was what, four? So just for me doing my financial coaching business, I have set up multiple streams of income in that. Um, I also, this is unrelated to finances. I love dogs. So I have a dog boarding and daycare business. So I have that. Um, and then when I started out being an entrepreneur, I, so I don't know if y'all go to bars, but those girls would say, Hey, do you want a sample? I was the sample girl. Um, and I was getting free liquor. So people, I, when I left corporate America, I took a significant pay cut to be somebody's assistant. That's because the organization that comes with being an assistant, making phone calls, um, keeping charts. Like I needed, not saying that I didn't have that, but I, I use all that in my, you know, in my business today, like figuring out how to do a calendar, how to um, answer the phone, um, how to make cold calls. Like I learned all of that by taking a pay cut. Um, and people are afraid to take a pay cut to learn a new skill 
that will elevate them to in a new level. So why I did that? I did 50 million other things. Like people were making fun of me because I was doing so many different things. I was consulting with people. I was somebody's personal assistant. Like I was doing this, I was here, I was that, but I wasn't broke. <laughs> <laughs> I was not broke. Um, and that's the thing when you have a side hustle, I know you may not charge a lot. I would never, ever, let me just go back to this. For these people out here who write in books and for free, I would never, ever do that. Because when I saw that Tony Robbins was charging $32 for his book, I said, hold on. I, I need a book. And if you are a speaker or educator and you speak to have a book, that's the easiest way to make money. It's easy. Because when you speak and you speak profoundly and you speak into people, they're going to be at the back of the room trying to get your book. That's just, that's just is what it is. Um, so right, and self-publishing is not um, expensive. I've heard people say that it's super expensive. Now, if you do mass copies of it, I'm sure. But there are small businesses that work with sm other small businesses when I got my book or started my book, I wrote my book and it cost me $175 to self-publish it. They distributed everywhere to Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, da, 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 da. And then when I went to print copy, I started selling that off my website. So I was taking a hundred percent of that. Nobody was getting a cut of that. You have to monetize what you do because there is a skill. We all have skills and talents that God gifted us with. And God didn't get to, God didn't create you to be broke. God didn't want you to be poor. I'm sure that is the desire of nobody's heart to be broke or poor. Um, so God gave you a talent. He knows this world works on money. Monetize that and don't feel like you are doing a disservice to people because now you have attached a price to what you do. Because if somebody wants the knowledge and the expertise that you have, they're going to pay for it. And it doesn't matter how much it is. When I started my business, when I moved, when I transitioned my business to being online, because I knew I was about to set my life up, I was about to start having kids, I wanted to um, travel. And so I wanted money to be coming in and not me physically having to go, go get it. So when I transitioned my business to being online, I hired a business coach. I didn't have that money when I had, had a business coach, but I knew I needed that. So I paid for it. So it's, it's people out there, like when they tired of being in the situation, they will pay for whatever that you are offering if, if they believe in trusting you. And we had to get to the mindset that, yes, we want to volunteer our time. This is something that I love to do. Finances comes easy to me. I could do this for free all day, but my family has to eat. My husband was relying on my income, so I can't just say, up. Oh, I'm staying at home. You got to do this on you. Deuce, deuce. No, he was relying on my income. So I had, my family has to eat. I have goals that I want to achieve. I, there was debt that needed to be paid off. Like I love going on a trip. There are trips that needed to be taken. So that costs money and it's okay. Like just cause you get paid to be a teacher doesn't mean you can't charge for this book over here or you can't charge for this speaking engagement or you can't just charge to do consulting with somebody. You need to get paid for that. Assess the price appropriately and get paid from that. Like get paid. <laughs> like these rappers, that, like it's a song called get paid young and get paid like you need to get paid like people are out here doing less than what this instagram models that are making millions of dollars from posting a picture you could absolutely write a book and make a million dollars i hear you and that's what i tell them all the time uh my refrain is i do not have availability dates i have availability rates um you know that's just how i do it you know i i will do a couple of things for free to build that relationship. But after that, I send an invoice if you want some more stuff. Uh, because if I'm sitting down to write, to do a podcast show for you, uh, to speak, if you're getting paid, I'm getting paid. Yeah. yeah. That's just, that's how I roll. And that's how you should roll. Like you said, there are some, give I have giveaways. There's a little checklist that I will do. There's um, um, little workshops or webinars that I'll have. But I do that so that you can build rapport, that you see my personality, you trust me. Because money, is money, especially what I do, is a sensitive topic. Like you not, again, it's the taboo, so you're not letting everybody in your financial situation. So one, I'm developing my trustworthiness, my personality, my skill, my talents, my expertise. 
And then that next time I'm transitioning to you, to making you a paying customer, boo. Like you, I, I've been in financial service for 12 years. I have a degree in accounting. I have been in banking, public accounting, financial investments, uh, long-term planning. That was experience. So I got experience that you gonna pay for. Cause y'all pay, <laughs> y'all pay anything else. I'm like, man, I'm trying to be like Macy's. I hear you. For sure. For sure. I hear you. Oh, this is so good. Uh, people. So before we go, what is the most important lesson you've learned about money and how can people work with you? So the most important thing that I have learned about money is that it's not how much you make it's how much you keep. Mm. <laughs> important. And if you love on money, it will love you back. That means it's going to keep flowing in. So um, how you can reach me uh, specifically, I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So Twitter, I am Emerald Sparks ES. Facebook, I am Emerald Sparks. And Instagram, I am She's a Gem. And that is spelled S-H-Z-A-G-E-M. You can always email me at emerald at emeraldsparks.com. You can go to my website, which is emeraldsparks.com, and set up a consultation, look at my workshops and courses, whatever. But that is how you get in contact with me. People, she is a gem and has been dropping gems all day today. Thank you, Emerald, for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. People, you know how I do this. This is going, the video cast is going up on iTunes. Well, I, our video cast is going on YouTube. I'm sorry. I need you to subscribe. I need you to share with everybody. With this information, share with your mama and your cousin too. Share with everybody you know. iTunes, SoundCloud, leave a review, subscribe, because a brother's trying to get Oprah on the show. I need you. Oh, also, also. Yes. For anybody that mentions that they saw this, I will give them 15% off the service. Oh, 15% off, people. We making money connections right now, people. Uh, so people, I'm going to show you when, when, when the, this is released, I'll have links and things to be able to get you contacted with Emerald. People, I love what I'm doing now, people, because I want all you educators who are watching this show, I want you to level up. Take control over your career. Take control over your life. Take control over your finances. Stop working at J.C. Penney's for minimum wage when you can be out there going to speak somewhere for two thousand dollars for one talk. When you can be selling your lesson plans on Teacher Pay Teachers. Where you can be delivering courses and making money in your sleep. Stop working all day. And going to work for minimum wage somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> Goals. Yes. So as always, people, invest in you, eating you, peace.